In case you're just listening to this and not watching the video, right now there is on the video an image that to me is a very poignant one, especially this time of year. It's a picture of an empty chair. And at Christmas time, we think about the chairs in our homes, the chairs around the table and the people who sit in them and how grateful we are for them and how sometimes there's an ache of an empty chair and God is with us. One of the very poignant stories in the Old Testament involves David and his friend Jonathan. And it's the story of a broken family, as all the families in the Bible are, and all of our families are. And at one point it is so broken that it has become an unsafe and dangerous place for David. And Jonathan says to his friend David, because there was a feast going on, and that's when families gather around the table, Jonathan said, uh, this time don't come to the table and uh, you will be missed because your place will be empty. You will be missed because your place will be empty, the ache of the empty place. And so David is not there. Everybody else gathers the way they normally do, Saul in his seat opposite his son Jonathan and Abner next to Saul. But David was missed because he was not in his place, and it turned out that there was deep brokenness there, and it could not be fixed in this world. And David and Jonathan would not be together again. For David, there would be other tables and other chairs and other families, but not that one. It's a strange thing about us. And now I'm going to sit in this chair. Um, When we gather together, when families are together, when people gather together on a regular basis, we all tend to take a particular place that belongs to us. Nobody votes on this. Families don't make seating assignments. When I was growing up, my dad would always be at this end of the table and my mom at that end of the table and then my brother and then my sister and my grandmother for many years and then she died and that chair was often filled with one of my sister's many, 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 many boyfriends. And then I grew up and <clears throat> married Nancy and we got our own family and our own table and uh, each person had their place in it. I think about people when I think about chairs. My brother Bart, when he was growing up, got this really ugly plastic chair that was flesh colored in the shape of a hand. And it always kind of creeped me out. And I was at his house for Thanksgiving and he still has that hand chair. And then Uh, As we grow older and people come and people go in our lives, chairs change. My um, mom and dad ended up uh, living alone for many, many, many years. And my dad had a chair that he would always sit in when it was just the two of them. It was a great big recliner, way too big for my mom. My dad was 6'2". My mom says she is 5'1". We're not even sure about the one. And when my dad was gone, that chair was way too big for my mom, but she could not bring herself to give it up to let go of it because uh, a chair speaks to us about the place of the people that we love. Two chairs in the Bible, two chairs that tell us about life with God. When Jesus' birth was foretold, uh, before him was going to come another member of the family, his cousin, John the Baptist. And the angel says that John the Baptist will come in the spirit of Elijah 
and turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children. There would be healing and uh, redemption in broken families. In the Jewish tradition, the Seder meal, which is a time to remember God's deliverance, God's bringing his people out of bondage and slavery and his being with them. That was the primary characteristic that would distinguish them. Moses said was that they would be with God. God's presence would go with them. And so when people gather together around the table, they do this as families, the Seder meal, and they drink the wine and they eat the bread, but they will leave one chair empty. And that's called the Elijah chair. And that's a reminder of the very final words in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi are those words about Elijah that he will come. Uh, you might remember in the story of Elijah, he did not actually die. He was taken up in a chariot to be with God. And so there was that yearning, that longing that we all have. Oh God, oh God, I need you to set right what I cannot fix. And so when they would see that empty chair, to this day, when they see that empty chair, it's a reminder. We need the help of heaven. We need the presence of God. I can't. God can. That's the ache and the longing of the empty chair. And then one more chair. Uh, Jesus made quite a remarkable statement when he was involved in his ministry. And, um, he was talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was trying to understand who Jesus was and why he was so different than John thought he would be, why he would do these strange things like hang out with sinners and touch lepers, uh, uh, not get rid of all the bad people that everybody thought the Messiah was going to get rid of. And so Jesus goes on to say this. This is Matthew chapter 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, what does that mean? Because obviously John the Baptist was a remarkable human being. He was a prophet. He was a great preacher. It doesn't mean that anybody who was born after that is going to have greater gifts or greater knowledge or greater character than John the Baptist. What it means is we will be able to see something, to know something that even John did not see, even John did not get to know. And that brings me to the other chair. This is a chair in heaven. Uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about the human condition and how in the tabernacle, uh, there was a lot of furniture. There was an altar for sacrifices. There was a wash basin. There was a table. There was a lamp. But there was no chair in the tabernacle because the worst, the work of the priests was never done because a fresh sacrifice for sin would always have to be offered because sin keeps going on. And I want to say a word about that too. You know, we're talking about being with God and I will talk about the goodness of it sometimes as though I always want it, but I don't. Uh, I think about a time, Nancy and I used to have a ritual that we would always do at Christmas and then one year I did not do it and it was a cruel thing to withhold from her. And I had to shut God out of my life in order to do that. And it took a long time for healing to come for us. And very often when I want to mismanage anger or finances or my relationships with other people or self-promotion or sexuality or gossip, or I have to say, no, God, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you in that chair. 
And so that chronic problem of guilt and I've done it wrong and anxiety over this is with us. Day after day in Hebrews, it says, every priest stands, they keep standing and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And then about Jesus. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time on the cross one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. There is a chair in heaven, and it is a throne, and there is one who sat down on it, and that one is Jesus. And what that means is that our guilt, our failures, our inadequacy, our insufficiency no longer has to be the last word that I can rest in what he did and you can too. And what he came to begin in that little manger at Christmas time grew to ultimate and remarkable and mysterious fulfillment on that cross. And then he sat down and he still does. So today, when you look at a chair, I want to invite you to think of that life with God. When you go to sit down in a chair at your work, invite Jesus to be with you as you sit there. When you go to sit down at a table to eat, invite Jesus to be there with you. When you look at the other chairs around the table and you see an empty chair and you think of the person that you love who is no longer here or who does not want to sit in that chair, you bring them before God as well. When you look at an empty chair, you think about the people that have gone before you that spoke into your life, parents or grandparents or teachers or siblings, others who have loved you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are with me, that you have been with me through these people. The chairs of our lives and the people who have sat in them are an unbelievable blessing and expression of the presence and favor of our God and especially of Jesus who has now taken care of letting us know that we have been fully accepted by God and he sat down. So sit down today and rest. You are not alone. Hey, thanks for joining us. To receive a text alert when new episodes are released, you can text the word BECOME to the number 855-888-0444. You can also send prayer requests there, and we would love to pray for you. To receive the emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me slash subscribe. Special thanks to Matthew Custer for the art and design for this series. See you next time.